show that one of us wanted to watch again and the other one missed entirely i'm ryan and i missed it and i'm Brittany, and i didn't and this is buffy season two season no it's three. not <laughs> this is buffy season three episode two dead man's party a nigerian mask reanimates the dead forcing buffy to battle a horde of zombies yes the episode is kind of meh but I have, like, large issues with how they're telling this story. So this one sucks. I don't like this episode. I'm giving this, like, the execution of this episode and watching this episode and not thinking about it. It's like a five or a six. Like, it's not a great episode anyway. Mm-hmm. But the way they decided to put all this together, it's like a one and a half. It's so bad. I said a four and a half. There were, like, parts that I enjoyed, but overall it's boring. <laughs> It's boring, and it was so boring that it made me start thinking about it and trying to apply logic to things. Yeah. Which is a bad idea in the Buffyverse. I've learned this. Yeah. And I still make this mistake. Mm-hmm. IMDB gives it a 7.7. That's higher than episode, other episodes that suck. It is higher than... <laughs> it is higher than Go Fish. Yeah. They I'd rather watch that episode. Go Fish? Yeah. Yeah, probably. This one is not great so how well did you remember this one pretty decently i mean there were actually stuff that i didn't remember but most of it i remembered i remember joyce hammering a nail into the wall and then putting a hole in the wall because buffy scared her yes they needed to put a hole in the wall so that they could shine the uh, red lights through it yeah for the practical effect of the mask which was decently cool yeah i mean the mask itself is really creepy yeah the mask was creepy and then the transformation when the mask went on to the zombie and became the demon zombie. Like, that effect was pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I think it's weird that it just... I'm almost positive that the person that was wearing the mask was not the same person that... Was playing... Was playing Pat. Sure. And that really bothered me. And that's very noticeable. I remember the walkie-talkies that the Scooby gang had when they were patrolling, I guess. Uh, yes, the infamous Nighthawk. Yes. Because that's not a ripoff of DC Comics. No. Good job, Xander. Mm-hmm. I did think that Oz was the one that staked that vampire. I didn't think that Buffy did. I thought the first time that she saw them, um, she didn't kill the vampire i thought it was one of the scooby gang i thought it was Oz, but it wasn't when buffy surprised xander in the alley and then the vampire pops out and the rest of the scooby gang shows up i kind of expected it to either be scooby gang gets their butts handed to him and buffy just takes care of it or buffy stands back and watches them work and they actually dust the vamp neither of those things happened it was kind of like Everyone gets thrown around, and then Buffy gets her Buffy lucky shot in, and Mm -hmm. then we're done. Yeah. I wish they would have... It would have been someone in the Scooby gang. It it would have been a better scene. It would have been much better. Let Buffy see that they're actually doing things and getting things done. Right, and her... And make it 
when she says later, well, it looks like you don't need me. Yeah, it would have made so much it more sense. It would have made more sense. Because then... Because they did need her. <laughs> yeah, because didn't, it didn't work. And just yeah. earlier, they had said, well, we have gotten six out of the last ten. Yeah. I mean, that's not bad, but it's, it's not failing. the Slayer. <laughs> yeah, it's failing at 60%. But it's not Slayer good, right? Yeah. You know, she's going to kill nine or nine and a half out of every ten. Yeah. And she's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so yes, she can, in fact, kill half a vampire. Yes. I do remember Joyce and Buffy's meeting with Snyder, which is so uncomfortable, and I just don't understand why it was necessary. I understand the meet- why the meeting was necessary. I don't understand the things that were discussed in the meeting and why that was necessary. It was disgusting. And it was very strange from a, an education standpoint, yeah. from a this-is-how-you-run-a-school standpoint, and... Right. I think that hits harder for us because we both work in schools. Yeah. But from a storytelling standpoint, Snyder getting creepy and becoming creepy was something they had to do. It was a switch they had to make and a character development thing they had to do. Because before this, Snyder wasn't creepy. He was just mean. Yeah. Now he's creepy. Yeah. Which is a a switch and almost a subtle change. It was one of the few things in this episode that I actually appreciated from a consequence and storytelling perspective. Let's give Snyder the screen time. Let's watch him be creepy. Let's get a little bit more into how he ticks. Let's give him some verbal ticks. He says tingly two or three times, so that obviously means something. He talks about the mayor. He talks about city council. Like uh, The setup continues for overall story plot, and they make that subtle shift with Snyder going from He's just the mean principal who just wants to get rid of Buffy to no, there's really something else going on and he's creepy too. Yeah. Right? He's not just the mean guy who maybe we can redeem. It's no, he's legit creepy. There's something else happening. We need to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. It was one of the few storytelling things they did in this that was like, yes, good, great, awesome. Let's learn more. Gotcha. I didn't like it. Right. Yeah, because the principal should never speak like that. No. No, please don't. I feel like no human being should speak like that. But I remembered that it's not the first time we see Buffy's basement, but it's the first time we see Buffy in her basement. And the basement becomes, I wouldn't say it's like a major location, but they use it quite a bit. Gotcha. Throughout the rest of it. It bugged me how clean the basement was. Yeah. You don't, don't, people don't normally dust their basement. No, but I could almost see that it was clean because Joyce has just been home worrying about Buffy. So she's, maybe she's somebody when she's anxious and stressed out, she just cleans. So maybe that's why the basement is clean. Maybe. I mean, that could work. Um, I remember the dead cat and then the zombie cat. Zambi cat, Zambi cat, Zambi cat. Yes. You smell so bad. Um, yeah, I could smell how bad that cat was. Yes. And we were watching a TV show. <laughs> I do. Uh, it's just a little pet peeve when the foley doesn't line up with what is happening on screen. You see it often enough with fight choreography, and not just in Buffy. Everywhere the punches or the sound effects or whatever don't line up quite right or they don't quite make sense or they're Mm -hmm. too comical or too whatever. But they had these 
cat yowling sounds, right? Mm-hmm. That went with the zombie cat. Anytime we saw a zombie cat and getting thrown around and whatever. Every time it happened, zombie cat's mouth was closed, right? Yes, Not every cats time. Cats can make noise like when they, you know, without having their mouths all the way open. Like yeah. they purr and they can do things. But this, these cat, this cat was yowling and it's just... Like, the shot has its mouth, like, clearly not doing that. Gotcha. It's very clearly not making this hideous noise. It's just, this is the sound that we expect the angry cat to make, so we have to put it in the show. Gotcha. It just bugs me when it happens. I don't think I noticed. I also was not sure if the cat was a puppet or not. Yeah, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if the cat was a puppet or if it was a real cat that they just made gross. (laughs) I think they went back and forth. Yeah. Like, when the cat crawled out of the ground, I think that was a puppet. Yeah. But there were a couple other times I thought it was a puppet, too, but it, I wasn't sure. I think when the cat was in the cage, it was a real cat. That would make sense. You can just find an ugly-looking cat and make it look uglier. Yeah. One thing at the beginning that I really... That I didn't pay attention to, or I've never paid attention to before, but I really liked it, was how exhausted Buffy sounded when she was talking to Joyce at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't exhausted at Joyce. She just herself was exhausted. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Obvious that she had just traveled and she was home for the first time since being away. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you get home from a vacation or whatever and you're just so tired... Which yeah. it's how she sounded. She, she needs sounded. a vacation from her vacation. Yeah. She sounded exhausted, yeah. and it was a really nice touch. I didn't realize when the episode started that we were picking up immediately, yeah. practically, from episode one. I figured they would let a couple of days go by, and they didn't, yeah. which was both good and bad. It was good because they let us reintroduce Buffy to everyone else on screen, Yeah, which was good and needed, but it felt strange just felt a little strange because that's not how Buffy works. They let time pass between episodes usually. Yeah, I agree. We have an angel sighting because David Boreanaz is always in the credits now so he is always in these episodes even if he's not in the episode yeah but it did show up at 1545 in yet another buffy dream sequence because we have to have one in every episode now in order to get david boreanis into the show yep and that's pretty much it i think he said six words maybe seven yeah and, and that was it it was like an hour's worth of shooting it was three shots and he was done was yeah a good, week. good week to be david boreanis right and the dream wasn't even really significant no. it was literally there to get an angel sighting yes, probably that was it. i remembered pat joyce's friend i remember her existing yeah they introduced us to her and i had two thoughts that happened very quickly my first thought was oh so she's who dies this episode yeah <laughs> Which was followed up by, oh, you know, maybe she's not as awful as we're led to believe. Because mm-hmm. you have, like, an initial gut reaction to, oh, this person. Yeah. Like, and it's there. But then she kind of smooths it over, and it, it kind of becomes okay. And they, they let her just be, you know, Joyce's new friend. Yeah. You know, since Buffy's been gone. And it was fine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really anything special. 
but mm-hmm. it was fine. And then she became the dread zombie queen. Yep. And uh, got got by a shovel to the eyes. You know, like you do. Yeah. Um, I remember the... <laughs> I didn't write the line down, but I should have. The gathering shindig and hootenanny. <laughs> The Hootenanny, yes. Uh, Oz does take the time to explain uh, what a Brie uh, is and what a Hootenanny is. It's a lot of hoot and a little bit of nanny. <laughs> He's in a band. He knows the difference between all three parties. You do have to know the differences between parties when you're in a band. Yes, this yes. is accurate. Can't confirm. Yeah. So did you have a favorite line? Yes. It was at the beginning. Buffy was talking to her mom and... Joyce put that mask up, and she said, it brightens up the room. (laughs) And Buffy says, it's angry at the room. It wants the room to suffer. It did. That thing was ugly. It was terrible. I have a thought on the mask, but first, will you be slaying? Only if they give me lip. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. Joyce continuing to not understand Buffy's world, which is good because she shouldn't understand it any better because Buffy's been gone. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah. Um, Catherine Sutherland is a joy. Yeah, they let her try to do a lot in this episode mm-hmm. um, enjoy. the mask okay so i don't know about you but when i get a new shipment to my private art gallery i take some of the pieces home for my house too <laughs> just because if i had a private art gallery and i could pick things to have at home then i would <laughs> yeah but i also think if you were at the point in your life where you could have your own private art gallery and take some of the pieces home. Putting Buffy into private school wouldn't sound like the gigantic financial uh, burden that it sounds like it will be. Yeah. Which is also strange because her dad lives in LA and legally would probably have to help right. <laughs> put her into private school. Yeah, just like, for the last year. Yeah, I was going to say, also, logically, he would be paying Jewish child support as well. Right. Also true. And they have to get Buffy back into Sunnydale because otherwise they have to go back to L.A. And that's Angel territory. Yeah. So they can't do that. Right. Is Oz's band actually a band? Like, or is it... Yes, it's called the Dingo Ate My Baby. Yes, it is called the Dingo Ate My Baby. <laughs> but I meant more like... The, like, are the rest of them actually a band, and they just have them on the show to play a band? Oh, I have no idea. They kind of struck me as maybe they were just a 90s band or something, and I they were no on the show. Like, maybe they had a song get played, or maybe they were playing their own song, but they were a fake band. You know, they were Oz's band in the show. Yeah, I have no idea. It seems like something they would do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't know. sure. No clue if they're an actual band or if they're just Oz's fake band. Gotcha. I don't know if Dingo Ate My Baby is a real band or not. I'm sure it is It's by this point. Right. It's been 20-something years. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a Buffy fan named their band Dingo Ate My Baby. I'm sure. lots of real talks in this episode let's talk about that because it wasn't good oh really i liked it okay you liked it yes. okay so you talk about how much you liked it and i talk i'll talk about how much i hate of it 
I just liked that there were real talks. And consequences? Yeah, like, um, Joyce drank alcohol. She did. And was talking to Pat about Buffy coming home, and she was being honest, and Buffy heard, and Buffy thought she needed to go away because she's Because Buffy overreacts to everything. Yeah. She's a teenage girl. Yes. Um, and then Willow catches her and yells at her, and then Xander yells at her, and Cordelia's, like, genuinely trying to be helpful, which is hysterical. Yeah, and it's in front of a room full of people. And see, the the Joyce moment was the one I was fine with because it made sense. It was her and her friend alone. They're having this honest moment, and it was good. Yeah. And that's what it was, right? And it was good. And then Buffy just overhears it and overreacts. Mm-hmm. Like, that bit was good. The rest of it, though, I had to keep reminding myself that even though this was episode two, Buffy hadn't actually dealt with any consequences yet mm-hmm. because... She had just gotten home and it's the same day, basically. Yeah. So I think they did it technically correctly or, you know, technically the way that people would react in that they all meet the for the first time back up and they're just kind of relieved and then things boil over later. But we get no indication from the rest of the Scooby gang at all until Willow starts yelling at Buffy that they're mad with Buffy. Well, Willow is avoiding Buffy. Willow doesn't have social graces. Yeah. And when she is talking to Buffy, when Buffy asks Willow if she's okay and she says that she isn't like, or that she is, it comes off differently. I don't know. Maybe it's because I've seen it before. But See, that moment just struck me as Willow wanted to get back to listening to Oz's band. Yeah. Like, she just was like, can we talk later? I would like to not do this. I would like to go listen to my boyfriend play music. Yes. That's all I thought that moment was. Yes. No, I agree. I think it also, if Buffy actually wanted to have... A conversation right then and there and Willow wasn't mad at her, she'd be like, yes, let's have a conversation. Let's go to your bedroom. We'll have that conversation. Or she'll say something. The fact that she didn't say, hey, I just want, uh, let's talk about it later. I felt indicated that she was mad. Maybe. I didn't get it. I didn't get that. Gotcha. But, and then she just shows up in Buffy's bedroom and starts yelling at her and it's the whole thing. And then there's the running away. And then it just doesn't feel, it didn't feel like A followed B followed C. It felt like they skipped beats and that they just kind of jumped. Okay. Because it was, hey, everything's fine. Oh, hey, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then, oh gosh, we're all mad at each other. We're all going to yell at each other. We're going to stop the music and the party so we can yell. Gotcha. And then there are no consequences because the writers copped out of everything right. by making this the zombie episode. Yeah. Because the second that things were getting real and they were kind of having to talk with each other, even though it was a lot of yelling, yeah, the writing was lazy, but things were happening and consequences were happening, yeah. and then zombies got thrown through the window. Yeah. And then they had to fight together and then everything's fine. Right. I, it, can we have some consequences, please? Mm-hmm. Please let us have some consequences. Let's have some character growth because we're just going to now go back. Everyone's older. They're doing slightly different things in life, but we're just going to go right back to, you know, this is how everything operates. Mm -hmm. You know, Xander's going to be Xander. Yeah. He just also now 
knows which end of the stake to hold. Yeah. Willow's going to be Willow, except instead of reading about the spell in the book, now she can read the spell out loud and maybe something happens. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's character progression, but it doesn't feel like there are real consequences happening. Gotcha. Plus, the writing of it all was the lazy, lazy TV writing. When characters say, look, I need you to hear this, or just listen to me, or okay, I have to tell you something, and then they go from there. And it's like, that's that's not how this works. That's not how people talk. No. You just say the thing. Yeah. Right? And I hate it. And they did it like four or five times in a row as they were yelling at each other. And I'm like, no, you're just extending the scene. You're just giving them more to say. Mm-hmm. Just let them say what they need to say. Right. They also did the lazy writer thing of, uh, I think Xander said... I don't remember exactly what Sanders said, but he accused Buffy of something. And then Buffy said, you want to talk about this? Well, let's talk about how you're this. And I'm like, okay, you don't need to put this whole extra sentence in there repeating what was just said. Yeah. If well, you, it, it was it was about Angel. Yeah, you want to, whatever, but whatever it was, yeah. it was, you need to listen to me. And then said whatever he had to say. And then Buffy repeated what he had just said mm-hmm. and then just turned it back on him. I'm like, no, this is lazy writing. See, I don't think necessarily it's that because if sometimes I think when you're mad and you're yelling at someone to give you more time to think about what you want to say back, you repeat what they said. Maybe. But in TV, that doesn't happen. Right. Because... Hopefully we get to see the characters think because they're, you know, acting. Yeah. But this dialogue's been written for weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, it just feels lazy. And I think it doesn't help that this this saying things back or this setting things up like that is something that has to happen in TV to remind you of things that have happened in previous episodes, mm-hmm. which you see often in the beginning of these episodes, especially in the Buffy verse, when it's like... When usually Giles is talking about, hey, remember this thing? Yeah. They kind of slip it into conversation. And the mark of a good writing team in TV for me is when they can remind you of what's happened through dialogue and it doesn't feel forced. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's, it's an art form. It really is. With Buffy, it feels like they're beating you over the head with it usually unless they kind of make it meta- and it's very nod, nod, wink, wink to the camera and the audience. Yeah. And then it works and it's fine. You can't really do that here because they're all yelling at each other. Yeah. But, gosh, this whole episode, I feel like the episode as a whole would have been stronger if they had just dealt with all of the interpersonal stuff. Yeah. Let's have Buffy go out on patrol and run around with Oz or with Xander and let them not work together well. And mm-hmm. they say, well, we do it this way now because you were gone. Let um, Joyce go to the library and research with Giles and let's have more of their awkwardness and not liking and Joyce not liking him, but she's doing it to understand what her daughter's going through. Let's get that stuff. Let's let Buffy, yes, have these awkward conversations. Let's let Xander explode. Let's do all of that. We can just do that. There's a whole episode right there. We don't also need Nigerian zombie mask. Yeah. Because then they just fight zombies and Buffy's house gets destroyed. Not completely, but ransacked. 
Yeah, there's the first a large time fight there. It's not like the house got burnt down, but no, but that's the first first time. But as happened. soon as zombies jumped through the wall and they all have to fight together, it's like okay, cool. We yelled, we're fighting, everything's good now. Yeah, and that's just not great writing. Yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, but if they don't have the zombie thing, it's not a Buffy episode. Exactly. No, you're you're absolutely correct. Without the supernatural element, it's not a Buffy episode. Yeah, it wouldn't have been hard for Giles to figure out what the mask is and go to Joyce, and then Joyce gets involved in that end of the Slayer stuff, and there's more there. That wouldn't have been difficult, right? It's right there. You could have just done it, and then you know the mask disappears from the house, and then they have to track it down and find it. Be- yeah. before everything bad happens or something. Yeah. And then you let it be a stealth mission, and then Buffy and Xander are chirping back and forth at each other, and then Xander finally loses it and, and explodes at Buffy at the wrong moment or yeah. something. Like, you could have done that. Yeah. It just feels like they desperately wanted to do zombies. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we've got more coming later that's not zombies, so let's do zombies now. I don't know. It's a weird, weird episode. Yes. Cordelia and Oz and Giles fighting on the steps, be, being together. Yeah, that was strange, but it yeah. worked. I liked the three of them being together, specifically Cordy and Oz. It is a little bit of foreshadowing, but not like a great deal of foreshadowing. Like there's things that go down with both relationships there that sure. they're kind of foreshadowing a tad. Gotcha. Yes, time number one that the house is destroyed. Yeah, that seems like something that should happen a lot. It it does. But it couldn't happen really until Joyce knew. Yes. Now they can let it kind of happen. Yes. I loved that Joyce was beating up a zombie. <laughs> she was beating the zombie with a bat or yeah. something. Well, she hasn't gotten to do a fight in two years, so... No, it was great. Yeah. She's just gotten to play a mom of strange teenage daughter yes now you get to beat a zombie there yeah. you go Have so she's beating up a zombie and giles threatened snyder which i forgot about i didn't remember that happening uh this is your reminder for those of you listening along at home that anthony stewart head is really really good at acting yes he's very good at this they let giles do a couple of things in here mm-hmm. that really deepened his character like like when he was driving in the car and he got really mad at americans <laughs> Right? But it wasn't just a little bit funny, but it was also more forceful. Like, the Giles voice was different when yeah. he was alone. It wasn't the stuttering librarian, right? It was mm-hmm. previous Giles, right? Yeah. And he got real mad at Snyder, and he had a plan, a well-thought-out plan, and mm-hmm. Snyder didn't totally bite, so I thought we were going to watch Anthony Stewart head punch him in the face. And yeah. I thought that was going to be the end of the episode, and I was very excited for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other moment that I assume you're referring to with Anthony Stewart head was when Buffy came back and they were in his apartment and he mm-hmm. went into the kitchen to get the tea. Yeah, he went into the kitchen to get the tea. The best moments on this show are the ones that don't have dialogue, mm-hmm. which is why I assume Hush is so good. Not so good. <laughs> like I can see that I can already see the through line of the be- uh, of that thought process of hey, we're really good. We have really good moments when we're not talking on this show. What if we just didn't talk for a whole episode? 
So he's just taking a second in this moment to get the tea and you just see the relief on his face and you mm-hmm. see the the genuine care but also terror in that same moment of mm-hmm. what has happened what will happen but right now we're okay mm-hmm. and he takes the tea back into the room it's very short it's 10 seconds yeah it's not very maybe, long and that's it but it's so good however giles uh also lost all of his researching skills because they felt the need to have the very dramatic shot halfway through the episode. They're all sitting in the library researching. Uh, Giles is looking at the book and then he's turning the pages and he turns to talk to someone and he keeps turning the pages and the camera pans over his shoulder and we get this tall camera shot uh, onto the book and we see the mask in the book. Mm-hmm. But Giles has his head purposefully turned and keeps turning yeah. the pages. So then that night, the next night, I don't know, Giles has to go back through that book again because he has screwed up researching. Yeah. And then he then finds it at that moment. Right. But it was very strange because they don't usually show them actively, like, researching and what the inside of the book looks like unless it matters. Yeah. But they don't do that to show a screw up. Yeah. It would just, it was important for us to know. It was not important for Giles to know yet. Right. Which was interesting. It was an interesting directing choice because you already know it's the mask. Yeah. Because it has to be because it's a Buffy episode. Um, When Buffy was thinking about running away again, there was uh, very soft, sad piano music. (laughs) Uh, However, the soft, sad piano music was in the same key and very close to the intro to Let It Go. Wasn't really. I didn't notice. Gotcha. Whatever it is. But it was the same tempo. It was close to the same pattern. I thought Adina Menzel was going to bust out of the closet or something. Like, <laughs> it was right there and my ear caught it. I was like, gotcha. Wait, what's happening? I well, didn't. this is just soft, sad piano music. I didn't okay. notice. There's only so many notes in music. So yeah. eventually they'll be played together again. Yeah. Do not have a side character shout out because I guess it would be Pat. Yeah, I mean, I wrote down Pat, but I also wrote down Jonathan because Danny Strong appears for like two seconds in this episode. He did get a line. Yeah. With the onion dip? No, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. That was it. That was it, yeah. Yes, he's in that scene and then he's beating zombies with a guitar. (laughs) Yes, that happened as well. Uh, as did the rest of the band tried to hold the door down or whatever. Yeah, but um, yes, my side character shout out is Jonathan also because I'm in my annual rewatch of Gilmore Girls and I always forget that Danny Strong shows up and plays Doyle. For a long time. <laughs> for a long time, but like... He's I, still playing Doyle. Right, but I always forget that. Like, mm. it, he shows up and I'm like, oh yeah, that's likely where most people know who Danny Strong is, is from Gilmore Girls. Right. He started here. Yes. I guess uh, I would shout out the guy who answered the phone during the party. 
I don't know who it was. I don't think he was credited. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried very hard to be drunk and funny, and it did not work. And it made it funnier. Yeah. Because it was clear what they were going for. It was poorly put together and poorly edited, and it took yeah. too much time, and it was not good. But I enjoyed how not good it was. Yes. And then he died. <laughs> and then he died. Uh, Xander's useless cross. Yeah. Xander has a very large cross necklace that makes him look like a very bad rapper. Yeah. At the beginning, and it does nothing. The vampires jumped and were thrown on him, and it did not matter. Yeah. I guess he got it knock off a goodwill or something. It's I, not a I real guess. cross. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even pay attention to that yeah. <laughs> until you pointed it out. Yeah, but he had the walkie-talkie taped to his chest, yeah. and then next to it he had this gigantic cross on mm-hmm. a necklace. Oh, I enjoyed the um, sitcom shots. Okay. That they, the camera shots, because they were in the house for a lot of the episode. Yeah. So they had to get creative with some of the shots. So they had the large pan out of Buffy's room because we had never seen a pan out of Buffy's room, right? So they're like, oh, we can totally do this because we're in her room. Like, she's back. We'll show the whole thing. It'll be great. I'm like, okay, cool. So you had to move that wall Mm -hmm. to get this camera shot. You know, like, it just made me think of, you know, the, the apartment sets that you get in sitcoms, right? And it's, you know, the coming close to show them and then they pan out and then they come back in close and they pan out so you can see the whole room and everyone's reaction. It just reminded me of that. Yeah. And then also the flat shot of, I think they were in Joyce's room. Yes. And then the zombies were trying to get in and they're trying to push the door back. Right. Mm -hmm. But because it was usually in for an action shot or a 45 minute TV show, you would have that shot at some sort of an angle. You would have it over the shoulder Mm-hmm. Right or or at a strange angle or from the hall or something else, but they had it flat. Okay. Like a sitcom set. Okay, gotcha. Which made them uh, the act of the zombies busting through the door, and we're all gonna all push back on the door. Uh, it yeah. just made it funny. Yeah. Because of that flat camera shot. Mm-hmm. Which was yeah. not the point. Probably not. It was not I supposed mean, to be so. funny. Yeah. But then again, Oz and. Cordelia came racing out of the basement with ski poles. So I guess maybe it's funny because it's zombies and zombies are funny. Yeah. I was just going to say I really enjoyed that. Um, When the zombies went away, Cordelia almost fell down the stairs. Like, Charisma Carpenter sold it. Like, I was a little concerned for a hot second that she actually was going to fall down the stairs. I think that was an oops and they kept it in. (laughs) Probably. We are joined for the remainder of this episode by by Veronica. Don't worry, we won't be here very long. (laughs) Yeah, I think she sees the cat. Hey, Veronica? Hey, can we finish recording the episode? Would that be okay? Great, thank you. Do you have anything to say or add before we wrap up here? (laughs) 
Our last segment is Ryan Predicts Poorly, and I predict that in the next episode, someone will be expelled so that Buffy can be let back in. Because that's how high school works. There's only so many spots. (laughs) Sometimes. Depending on the school, right? Yeah. I did predict at the end of season two that season three would have seven expulsions, so I'm kind of trying to hedge my bets here. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this episode of I Missed It. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at I Missed It Pod and check out our network at GLM Pods. You can find all of their shows, our Patreon, and our merch store at ghostlightmedia.net. Yes. <laughs> Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you listen to us on. Yeah, we'll have Veronica try to thank you. Yes. And sending a shout out over to Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. You should listen to them. They're on the network. Uh, they just passed two years. Yay. Veronica's happy. Veronica's cheering. <laughs> Good <Yay>. job. <laughs> so congrats, guys. Keep crazy monsters of all of the different multiverses happy. Still would like to know if you can own a vampire, Zach and Griffin. So that seems relevant to our interests over here. Well, this has been Buffy Season 3, Episode 2, Dead Man's Party. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brittany. And that's Veronica. And don't forget, you have no appreciation of primitive art. Nope. None. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.